My name is Beth Feist, and I'm a volunteer for most campaigns here in Austin. They stand up for the people, not just the one. They're passionate about the same causes that I am. It's Thursday, November 9th, 2023, and this is the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch. Rapid response on the breaking news stories Texas progressives need to know. I'm Chris Mosier. Texas lawmakers start special session number four, equaling the maximum we've seen in a year with a regular session. Patrick Zvitek at the Texas Tribune notes this is costing about $1 million of your taxpayer dollars and per diem payments for each 30-day session. And also this year, those 10 extra days lawmakers spent on the Ken Paxton impeachment trial. This is a lot. Representative Gina Hinojosa of the Democratic Party calls this the, quote, endless session that continues to waste taxpayer dollars, pushing an unpopular voucher scam, unquote. Representative Trey Martinez-Fisher of San Antonio, chairman of the House Democratic Caucus, says of Governor Abbott's relentless push for something the legislature simply doesn't want to pass, quote, the highest level of gubernatorial obstinance. No means no. We don't know how else to say that, unquote. Immigration legislation creating a state crime for illegal entry and funding border security operations is more likely to pass, but vouchers, thankfully, and for now, appear stuck in the mud. This fourth session will also overlap with the candidate filing period for the March primary, which starts on Saturday and runs through December 11th. Voter engagement in Texas coming out of Tuesday's election appears to be on the uptick. A report from the Office of Texas Secretary of State Jane Nelson says the estimated turnout was 14.4% of registered voters. That's the highest turnout for a constitutional amendment election since 2005, with more than 2.5 million Texans casting a ballot. In an election, by the way, with no statewide or national candidates, that's a good thing. And we'll see if that trend holds in parts of Texas with runoffs, including Houston, where Progress Texas endorses Sheila Jackson Lee for mayor and Chris Hollins for city controller. That's coming up on December the 9th. The Dallas Morning News highlights turnout in North Texas, which was particularly robust. Nearly twice as many registered voters in Dallas County and surrounding counties made their voices heard than they did in the previous off-year November election. The northern stretches of DFW saw especially solid turnout. Collin County saw almost 14%. Denton County saw over 14%. Yes, this still leaves the vast majority of voters sitting on the couch. So while improvement is worth celebrating, we still have far too many Texans neglecting a vital role in our democracy. As we said yesterday, not all of the propositions that passed were to our liking. For example, Prop 7, which in our view represents a handout to polluters at the expense of renewable energy. But now that it's passed, what happens next? Mose Bichelle at KUT in Austin says the Public Utility Commission of Texas, or PUC, is the agency that will be overseeing this new fund, a new role for an agency which in the past has focused on regulating utilities and the Texas power grid, the result of that management, as we know, not having been especially stellar, unless you're a petroleum executive or investor. Doug Lewin of the Texas Energy and Power Newsletter expresses concern that, quote, this is an agency that is stretched to the breaking point, and now they're going to need to manage a $10 billion dollar grant and loan fund, unquote. Ed Hears, an energy economist and lecturer at the University of Houston, expresses doubt that this enormous allocation is going to produce results for Texas energy consumers for years, if ever at all. Not sure if this new management burden on the PUC has any role, but interesting timing here. Bloomberg reports that two key figures in the oversight of Texas's power infrastructure are set to resign at a critical time for the state as it tries to boost electricity supplies amidst booming demand. 
Will McAdams, Governor Abbott's first appointee to the PUC after Winter Storm Uri killed hundreds of Texans, knocked out power for millions, and paralyzed the second largest U.S. state for almost a week, plans to resign from that board, according to unnamed sources. Separately, Kerry Bivens, the independent market monitor for the Texas grid, also plans to step down. Bivens was appointed in April of 2020 and emerged as a vocal critic of state power market reforms after the deadly winter storm of February 2021. Oh, speaking of which, here we are in a nice mild stretch of November, no extreme heat, no extreme cold, for the moment no extreme weather of any kind, so maybe you'll be surprised that yesterday, Claire Howe posted in the Houston Chronicle that on a day that was extraordinary, perhaps only in its mundane weather conditions, ERCOT reported Texas power capacity and demand uncomfortably tight, with expected demand around 56,600 megawatts and committed supply around 58,200 megawatts. This is due to almost 40% of natural gas and coal plants being offline for maintenance all at the same time. Again, Doug Lewin says the growth of periods when we do have extreme weather have shortened the seasons when maintenance can most conveniently happen. So even when the weather's nice, the Texas power grid is walking a tightrope. Maybe this is a good place to mention a Guardian report from writer Oliver Millman that Texas has lately been producing twice as much methane as our better regulated next door neighbor, New Mexico, prompting global calls for tougher curbs of super emitter sites that risk tipping the world into climate breakdown. Methane is about 80 times more powerful than carbon dioxide in accelerating atmospheric warming and is routinely released via oil well leaks or intentionally vented and burned in a process called flaring by fossil fuel companies when drilling for oil and gas, a practice commonplace in the Texas Permian Basin region. Our state, despite being at the epicenter of the oil industry, has scant measures in place to prevent companies from dumping their unwanted methane into the shared atmosphere. Luke Metzger at Environment Texas notes that this lack of regulation is a direct result of the views of our statewide elected officials. All the more reason to get off the couch and vote every election, every time. To the border and a car crash near Batesville, about 80 miles southwest of San Antonio, that killed eight people yesterday. When the driver of a 2009 Honda Civic suspected of carrying smuggled migrants tried to outrun deputies from the Zavala County Sheriff's Office and attempted to pass a semi-truck but collided head-on with an oncoming 2015 Chevrolet Equinox, which caught fire, all eight occupants of both vehicles were killed, including the 21-year-old driver of the Civic and his five passengers, some of whom are reported by DPS as having been from Honduras. The two occupants of the Equinox were from Georgia and sadly died as well. What a tragedy. We told you yesterday about Max Hightower, the transgender boy at Sherman High School north of Dallas, who was kicked out of the leading role in his theater department's production of Oklahoma due to a new district policy dictating that student actors only portray roles aligning with the gender they were assigned at birth. Aaron Pellet at KXII-TV in Texoma writes that Max isn't alone. About 20 other Sherman High students have also lost their roles under this new rule. Natalie Ball and Ellis Weinkoff, two female students set to play male roles, were similarly booted. Ball notes that ever since even Shakespeare's time, gender switching in theater production is a common practice. And if Sherman administrators, quote, clearly they don't know the first thing about theater if this is an issue, unquote. In addition, the play itself has been postponed until early next year while the district reviews whether Oklahoma, a ubiquitous Rodgers and Hammerstein musical dating back to 1931, is too racy for their community's sensitive sensibilities. Still more motivation to vote, 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 including and especially in school district level races. 
As we close today, note the tickets have gone on sale for both of our Progress Texas holiday parties. These are fun fundraising events and a great opportunity to meet and mingle with progressive office holders, candidates, activists, and advocates. Terrific networking and a damn good time. Our Austin holiday party happens on Friday, December 1st, and our Dallas holiday party is on Wednesday, December 6th, and we'd love to see you. Hit the link on the website and grab your tickets. And that's the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch for this Thursday, November the 9th, 2023. Links to all these original stories can be found in our show notes. Progress Texas is a nonprofit media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. While campaigns come and go, we're the permanent home for rapid response media and messaging in the Lone Star State. If you're enjoying our podcasts, an easy way to get active is to share our podcast feed with a friend. And please consider making a donation to help us continue our important work at progress. Texas.org. I'm Chris Mosier. Thanks for listening. Have a great day, and we'll see you again tomorrow morning.